This is Rolling Rocks Radio with Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, and Scott Barker. Welcome to another edition of Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else we find entertaining. He's Jerry Armentrout. Hey. I'm Scott Barker. Welcome to this week's show. So no fights this week, Jerry, but the uh, continued controversy over judging moves on. Yeah, there, uh, there's a there's a push for open scoring, and then there's like, oh well, if there's open scoring, and someone knows that they're up two rounds to one, they might try, you know, uh, two rounds to none going to the third, they might they might run away. It'll be a boring third round. But I look at it the other way. If I know I'm going into the third round, or if I'm going to the championship round, and I'm down, and I have to get a knockout, I think it's gonna be more active. The guys are gonna push, and if you run away. And you're, you know, say it's a three-round fight, and it's, you know you're up two rounds to one, two rounds to none. So the other guy's got to get a knockout, and you start running. Judges might, you know, now that's when you do ten, ten, eight rounds should come into play because you ran away the whole round. Now you have a draw. Because you know, and so I've always kind of thought about the way that they do the close scoring, kind of like if you were in high school and you didn't get all your grades yeah. until the end of the semester. Yeah. Right, like, how are you supposed to judge your your? How are you supposed to judge where you are yeah, in the scheme you, if of you're things? Doing anything, right? right, you know, like you you think you're doing okay, but you don't, you know, you you think you know the material, but it turns out you're getting all D's and you don't find out to the end of the semester. See, boxing they do every three rounds. You know, I think it's three, six, nine. Okay. One, and so your 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 corner knows where you are judging. So they know, in you know, going into the you know coming in out of the ninth round, going into the tenth, that whether you you've got to turn it up, or you can play defense, but you still got to engage in the fight. Invicta they do open scoring, and the president of Invicta she said that since they went to open scoring, the fights have been better because people know, hey, I'm down that round, or hey, I won that round, and they can put it on. Because typically it's the other way around. It's not the person who's losing. When you tell someone that they're, you think they're up two rounds, and so they go out in the third round and they just play defense, but actually it was one-one uh, and they lose the fight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, how did I lose the fight? I thought I was up." Well, no, your coach, your corner thought you were up, but their judges are looking at something else. Plus, we'll see what the judges are giving points to. What was important to the judge in that round before? Because here lately, I mean, you could you guys see guys getting controlled on the ground. They're being, you know, somebody will have top control for out of a 15-minute fight. They'll have top control for eight minutes, and they lose the fight because the other guy threw a few more significant strikes. So what what weighs more with this group of judges? Uh, does the wrestling weigh more? It uh, score more, or does the striking score more? And are they looking at the whole round? Or they're looking at the last fury in the last 30 seconds of a round where guys, you know, will throw kicks and punches and run at somebody. And, you know, try they're to, like, well, yeah, they might have stole the round. The round yeah. Or they get a last-second takedown. They don't do nothing with it, but they get a last-second takedown. I still like the way, and I, we talk about this all the time, but I still like the way Pride did their scoring where they judge the fight as a whole. Yeah. But, you know, we're that's not what we've got it, yeah. with the UFC. We're kind of stuck with what we have. But Chael had an inter, Chael made a couple interesting statements on one of his shows earlier in the week, and it, and it kind of got me thinking. So 
he was talking about the um, the announcers versus the judges, and he made a statement that the judges are experts mm -hmm. on what the commission is looking for as far as scoring goes. Yeah. Now that I thought that was interesting. So we or they should be. Yeah. Um, that's they got to take a test. That's up. In, yeah, they got to take a test. But we have people who drive. Yeah. But never mind. But um, my thought here was, okay, the judges are the experts on what the rules say or what the commission is looking for as far as scoring. I would argue that the color commentator, color commentation team, and the announcers are more technically savvy yeah. than the judges. So my, most of these guys have participated. Yeah, somehow they've participated. Yeah. So th there was some discussion on well, do you let the do you let the announce team submit scores as well? You know, and, uh, can the judges look at that as as a as a guide? And I had a, I had an idea, and my thought here is okay, you've got the standard um, panel of judges, then the announcers get to submit a single round card. A single scoring card for each round that goes into the judges. So maybe we have to like add or subtract a judge, right? Because you kind of want to have you want to have an odd number, right? So maybe we have two judges, or maybe we have four judges, right? But then that third or fifth card is an aggregate for the announcers from who are judging the fight from a more technical. Level versus what the commission is looking for as far as scoring. But the, the problem we have with the announcers doing that is that some of these announcers are personal friends or training partners with some of the fighters. So then you would have a bias. So if that round was close, are they going to lean toward their, towards their friend? Or I have a beef with that guy or that guy talks shit. So remember back when they used to have Eddie Bravo do a score? Yep. And they would look at, you know, he would do a he would do a score, and then he would talk about what he scored and why. And that would work because then, you know, you could have an expert. You could have a, you know, you, so we have three judges. We could have two experts, and we could have a striking expert, and we could have a grappling expert, and they could submit scores. So you have five. So you'd you have, have two, your odd number. You have yep. your two experts. That's not a bad. And then and they could be a. It could be a non-biased yeah. expert, right? Yeah. I mean, you could have you, you could just pull somebody, but like, I mean, there's enough. There's enough coaches from yeah, a team who's not competing yeah. in that match because yeah. there's you got plenty of coaches yeah. there, right? So yeah, you get the you know if you know whatever T City is going up against Korean Zombie, you get the head coach yeah. of the, the head grappling coach for some guy who's not fighting, and then the head striking coach for another guy who's well, you not got, associated with that team. That's not a bad idea. And then you got referees. Referees take turns through the matches. So when they're not the ref, they could be the odd judge. Hmm. And almost a lot of these refs, they train, yeah. And they teach and they know the rules because they teach the referee. And a lot of these guys do courses on this stuff. So why can't they do it? So you could, you know, they're only, they're refing and you only have three, three or four different refs for each event. Because they they rotate, and they know ahead of time what matches they're refing, so then they they could judge the others. Yeah, and you've got three judges, so there's your two. Yeah, I mean you get three refs, there's your two odd, three commission judges, two ref judges. 
Because people miss you, people. A lot of people don't understand. But the UFC can adjust a little bit. There's, I mean, they have to use commission judges, but there's no reason that they're a private enterprise. There's no reason they can't add other judges and do what they want. I mean, they at the end of the day, it's still their promotion. Yeah. You know, they, they're. It's not like boxing where there's 50 different commissions with 50 different belts for each weight class, and you've got to you got to work into that because you know. You'll have you can have guy you know you have five six twelve belts in some of these areas. It's like wow, that's a whole lot of yeah belts out here. That that never made sense to me when I was a kid and I was watching boxing and I didn't understand that there were all these yeah. different federations and different commissions. I'm like, how can this guy be the champion of the world in five different organizations? Shouldn't there be one champion of the world? And then and he's I, fighting a guy who's a champion of the world and two other organizations and are unifying the belts. Yeah, which yeah, that didn't make sense to me as a kid. Yeah, I mean, but. I remember. Yeah, when I was I remember watching some of these guys come out and they 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 would have like nine their belts. guys carrying their their team is carrying belts. They've got two belts around their waist, so a belt hanging off their neck, belts around their shoulders. It's like wow. And it's like yeah, he's he's the IBF, WBA, WBC, WBF, WTF. It's just like, every, you know, he's got, he's this belt. And, and I mean, and each of those belts, each of those commissions have a different set of priorities and parameters. The UFC is just the UFC. You're the champion of the UFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bellator is a different organization completely. They do not fight each other. So there's no reason the UFC can't say, you know what? We'll use your three commission judges, but we're going to have two of our own, and we'll see what happens. Well, just the very fact that Invicta does open, open scoring, and they're owned by yeah. the UFC. So, so they have something to draw upon. And it could be that the Invicta is their testing ground to see if open scoring works. Yeah, that's, that's a distinct possibility. Because, I mean, they do in pro sports. We're going to try this new rule in the minor leagues to see if it works. Mm-hmm. If it works, we'll bring it up to the majors. If not, we didn't lose nothing because it's the minor leagues. Well, they used Invicta and WEC and all that to yeah. test out other to test out other fighters before yep. they brought them to yeah. the the big show. So why not yeah. try it with rule set as yeah. well? Yeah, I mean, it, we don't know what it would be like until they try it. Yeah, they said Invicta works. It works in boxing, and they're like, oh well, but sometimes in boxing the guy's up, you know, nine rounds. He's won all all the first nine rounds. Those last three, he's probably going to skate. Dude, if you got your butt kicked for nine rounds, you already know you got your butt kicked for nine rounds. There's probably not a whole lot left in your tank to really push to get a knockout in those last three. There's very few people that have been mauled for nine rounds that are somehow going to figure out their opponent in the last two or three rounds that they haven't figured out in the first nine. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, how many of the first nine were real yeah you know there's that argument too right you got 15 rounds well shit yeah. these guys know they have to yeah they gotta last and they're they're slow and yeah so yeah. those always a lot of times in boxings those last rounds are interesting because the guys have reserved their energy or they're they you know and they know they gotta make a push i mean mayweather mayweather normally didn't do a whole lot to the fourth or fifth round yeah. he would just defend himself and then he'd start countering and start throwing throwing his jabs so you, you just don't know. I mean, people, Klitschko, both Klitschko's brothers. Some a lot of times they would they would lose early rounds and then they would knock you out late because they would let you wear them yourself out on their on them and then they would just boom. George Foreman, Foreman would just cover up, let you wear let let you wear yourself out on him, beating on his his big old arms and then he would just hit you. 
So do you think, and you've heard Chael and his opinions on boxing. He is not a big boxing fan. Do you think boxing would be any different if you made it like a maximum five rounds? Do you think that the it would be more? They have to increase the the, the round length because if you're doing five, five maximum of five rounds, but they're only three minutes, you're you're not going to get a whole lot. They would if they if they shortened the rounds, they they'd have to short, they'd have to uh, they went to five rounds, they have to get a five minutes, five or six minutes. And I mean, if you if you can fight a heavyweight fight for twelve rounds, there's no reason you can't twelve three minute rounds. There's no reason you can't do five five minute rounds. It's a shorter fight. Would you do you think it would get rid of the feeling out process yeah. that that Chael yeah, thinks yeah. doesn't exist? Yeah, those guys would have to do something. I like hearing Chael's opinion on the feeling out rounds yeah. and about how they're, they're they're not real. It's just an agreement between those two guys that they're not going to do anything until the later rounds. Yeah, they're going to conserve energy so the fight goes long. Yeah, exactly. Or somebody's got to bet that the over-under is nine, so they're going to go go ten. ten. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I would uh, – I you don't carry your opponent so it looks good. Exactly. That That's Chael's opinion. I don't know, but um, I do know that typically – Hey, I mean, you have hey, man. My wife's here tonight. My family don't knock me out in the first, man. Let, let me let me yeah, let, let me, me, me coach a couple third. rounds. Let me make it to the third. Make least. make it look good. Okay. I mean, I mean that's what they said that they they claim Mayweather carried carried McGregor for ten rounds to make it look good to make people feel like paying all that money for that pay per view was worth it. Yeah, uh, I, I will admit I pay for that pay per view. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if Mayweather dropped him in the first. There had been a whole lot of pissed off people. There had been a lot of men. Well, I mean, you remember back when Tyson was yeah. knocking people out in the, the first. first round. Yeah, they were asking. They were, they were, they were telling him to, to slow up, to quit knocking people out so fast because people was, were stopping, stopped paying the, buying the pay-per-views and they couldn't afford to pay. Or they would be calling and asking for a, a refund. refund. That fight lasted 40 seconds. I want my money back. I remember <laughs> I was, I, he was going to fight on, on regular TV, now pay-per-view. And they finished, they were doing the introductions. I had to, I ran to the kitchen to get something. And I was, and all I heard was, and that's, the fight is over. I'm like, what? I can run in here to knock the guy out in like 30 some seconds. Yeah. It's like, oh, and at least they, you know, 30 seconds they were able to show the, you know, they showed the whole fight and, you know, you see it again, but. But it was just like, wow. It's like, thank God I didn't pay $80 for this fight because it was over as soon as he made contact. It was like that that first UFC that they did on ABC where it was Kane versus yeah. Junior, and it was over in like 45 seconds. Yeah. Everybody's like, this is going to be great, because I think that was the only thing they showed yeah. on ABC. Yeah. They did the rest of it on ESPN, and they had the the main on, on ABC, and it lasted like 45 seconds. And yeah, everybody was like, uh, well, that kind of sucked. Yeah, because it's like, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, think about... Rousey coming back, they made such a huge thing about her comeback, oh, and Nunez finished her just in forty some seconds. Destroyed her, and people were mad because they paid for that pay per view just to see that fight, and she got murked. It's like, dude, I mean, it is That's what it is. Way it I mean, you're you're buying a fight, yeah. you know. You're yeah, you're yeah. You don't get to dictate when the fight starts and finishes. This ain't a video game. Yeah, I mean, these guys, but yeah, there's there's times that you watch a fight and you can look. It looks like they're you know the guys are like intentionally like dragging it out a little bit. It's like, are they are they just carrying each other so the fight goes longer, so it looks good, so they get better, you know, they make sure they get those last pay per view buys in, get those last minute ones because you know, 
guys are waiting to the very last minute to buy the fight, make sure it doesn't end in the first round. You got to figure somewhere in those contracts, like, okay, this is a ten round minimum. Yeah, you know, yeah. You get if you make it, yeah, if you make it ten rounds, we'll pay you more. Yeah, you you get your full purse yeah, if yeah. you make it ten rounds. And you get a bonus if you go if you if you can get past like round six, we'll give you extra pay. And Some. so you got guys like doing a whole lot of moving away. Yeah, for, for the first six rounds, and then gets knocked out in the seventh, just so he can get that extra. 50k. It's that feeling out process. <clears throat> yeah, that feeling out process. Feeling out process. I'm, I'm feeling him out. That doesn't really exist, especially in women's MMA, which Jerry and I have discussed multiple times. There's no feeling out process okay, with the they ladies. Just, they yeah. just, they I just, mean, bang. We, and we asked, you know, to lay about it, and she's like, "Yeah, they just get after it." Yep. Which is kind of funny. You would yeah. think the dudes would be like, like that, but no, it's the ladies who get out yeah. there and they just swing for the fences right yeah. off the bell. Yeah, they just, they'll touch. They'll touch gloves and then just get to it. And men tend to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fill him out in the first round. No, man. That's, yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So, no fights this week. Um, but I did catch the um, latest episode of Who's Next, mm. which took a very interesting turn this week. So, okay. of course, you know, last week we had um, the match between um, – and it was Adam. It wasn't, um, it wasn't Andrew, but it was uh, – Adam, who took the uh, the three hour match, and then the uh, the new wave guy uh, Dan Manasoy, you put him up against the number one seed and got him eliminated. And Jerry and I still think that that's a ploy for uh, Gordon to continue to screw with Andre. Yeah. So this week the team challenge was calf wrestling. <laughs> So they took the, wow. of course, the, the show is in Texas, so they took them out to a, um, it wasn't a dude ranch, but it was like a, it was like a, um, a, a rodeo ranch. And the first challenge was they had to um, do the thing where they tie the flag to the calf's tail, and they had to strip the, the flag off the calf's tail. <coughs> Sorry. And um, then, so they did that, and then they um, they went and they had to actually do calf wrestling and the only guy to actually get one of the cows down was Andrew Tackett who's the smallest guy on the show and the smallest member um, of Team Jones so he was the only one to actually get one of the and it was really funny because when he when he managed to wrestle the cow down, he threw in a half butterfly and did a half butterfly sweep on the calf. There you go. It was, well, it but was, he's the smallest, so he's using more technique. Exactly. Other guys are trying to use brute strength. Exactly. So, um, of course, the um, Team Jones won that challenge, so they got to pick the fight. They gave the choice to Andrew Tackett, who, again, is 165. Mm-hmm. He picked... Dan Manasoyu, the biggest guy on the the card. So Dan is, I believe, 6'5 and like 250. And so um, Andrew's statement was, I wrestled, I took down one bull, I'll take down another. So they came out, uh, they, they you know, did the house shenanigans and the training shenanigans, which was, which was all fun. So they came out and... Andrew just schooled Dan mm. for a and, and Dan did the did the new wave thing right. He tried to enter into leg lock submissions. He tried to, you know, he he pulled guard pretty quick. Andrew stayed or sat guard. 
Andrew stayed standing and just bullied him around, slapped at his head, clubbed at his neck, talked smack. Um, Dan did did get him in a straight ankle lock but couldn't finish it. Dan stood up. He passed. Uh, Andrew passed Dan's open guard pretty much at will and just pummeled his way in, got a rear naked choke, and choked out Dan Manasolu. Um, it was really, it was a very impressive um, display of skill and strategy on Andrew Tackett's part. Um, I was really worried that he was biting off more than he could chew with somebody who's a good 80 pounds heavier than him and, and, and quite a few inches taller. But he just, he put on a technique showcase and schooled Dan Mansell. Sometimes, Like I said, sometimes when you're, your high level size truly doesn't matter. It does sometimes when you're fairly equal, but if you think your your technique is above and beyond, and he, you know apparently he he did, it really doesn't matter how big you are. You can see these little guys just school people. One of the best one of the best parts of the whole match was um, Dan was setting open guard. Andrew pushed on his head, blew him a kiss. And passed his open guard. <laughs> it was just smack past open guard. He was he was trying to keep him off balance and rattled. Mm-hmm. He did a really good job. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, again, it shows that technique is a major thing. Te- technique above all. And we're actually going to get into that here in Jiu-Jitsu Corner. Um, but yeah, it was a good show. Again, I'm continuing to enjoy uh, enjoy who's next. I like the pacing of the show. It's got just enough of everything so that it's not boring. It's not too much training. It's not too much house shenanigans. And it's not matches that are, like, ridiculously long and and not very fun. They're doing a really nice job with the balance of the show, and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm hoping they – I'm hoping they they, that it continues on this uh, this track. I think next week they go shooting or something. (laughs) We'll see how things go, but so far the uh, the notch count is Team Jones two, uh, Team Spriggs zero. So they got four more matches to go, or they got two more matches to go before they drop into the semis. Uh, so all in all, not bad. Cool. So uh, you got anything else for various and sundry? No, no, I think that's. I mean, we got some fights coming up. We got some really good fights coming up, but yes. we'll see. We still got him arguing about who Oliveira is going to fight next for the title since he's the number one contender. So he's got he has one of the spots automatically. But who is he going to fight? Is he going to fight McGregor? Is he going to fight? Uh, I mean, he's going to fight Islam Makovic, uh, Mark, uh, Khabib's guy. Yeah. I mean, who's he going to fight? I mean, you got Banal Darius clampering that he should get a shot. And I thought the original. The I thought when when. Charles initially couldn't make weight. I thought the deal was it was if he won, then he was the number one contender, and whoever won the Tony Chandler fight was the other, was the other guy who's going to fill in that. Card. But he's already beat Chandler. He's already beat Ferguson. He's already, I mean Ferguson's well, on a four or five fight losing streak. Ferguson's not there. He I mean Chandler just got Mer- he just marked Chandler. So. I, now I think it's they're trying to find some. You know, it was whoever wins between Darius and Islam Makabek. They're 
they're the next contender. But now they're trying to see if they should just skip over. There you. We got McGregor throwing himself in in the mix. So I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be hard to sell Oliveira Chandler too this quick after he just after Oliveira Murky. I mean, I'm I'm not interested in that fight right now because yeah, he beat Ferguson, but Ferguson was was lighting him up in the first round, and Ch- and Chandler got caught him with that front kick. So. Yeah, and out of all the guys that are you know possibly up there, Oliveira is the one that Connor hasn't really beat yet. Between him and Chandler, right? And, because yeah. and and Oliveira, and I understand Oliveira's point. I can make a whole lot more money fighting McGregor than I can fighting a lot of these other guys. You're not going to sell many pay per views rematching with Chandler. You just did that fight a few months ago. Yeah. No one's really no. One, I mean, diehards might pay for it, but at the end of the day, depending on what's on the undercard. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm paying eighty bucks to watch that fight again. The, the, the casuals won't pick that up. So, but when you put McGregor name in there, you're getting a lot of pay per views. You're probably double pay per views over him fighting Chandler. Well, and you get the Irish Army too, yeah. right? You get that pull because you can't you can't underestimate the amount of pull in that they get from the Irish Army yeah. because those guys fly in for that shit. Yeah. And then you've got. I mean, you've got. You really don't have a whole lot. I mean, I'm sorry, McGregor. We've talked about McGregor should not be trying to fight at 170. He's going. To, his body no. frame is not big enough to compete against Usman. He's not going to be able to compete against Kobe. Kobe Covington's probably going to murk him. He might be okay against Jorge Masvidal because Masvidal is a little sm- is a little small for more, 172, yeah. but he's a little big for 155. I mean, that's why they keep talking about having a 165 class right there, you know, and then move some stuff around because he's right there in the middle. You know, or a 160 because he's he's a little big for 155. It's hard for him to make. And 170, his frame is just kind of small. Yeah. He gets bullied by the bigger guys, by Kobe, by Usman. He gets bullied. But McGregor, you know, McGregor needs to stick with 155 or even 145. But Oliveira McGregor would sell a lot of – Pay-per-views because McGregor's yeah McGregor's not good on you know in the, the grappling aspect, but Oliveira gets touched a lot, and I mean Gaethje sat him down twice in that first round, but he couldn't you know but didn't want to go to the ground with him. McGregor I think McGregor has has a punt has a damn good puncher's chance of knocking Oliveira out. Yeah, you know well and you know ham sandwich versus Conor McGregor yeah. to quote Vince McMahon. Yeah. Will sell. Yeah. Right? You so. put anybody in there, and people are going to watch McGregor fight. So, we'll see. I mean, there's there's just some interest. There's really not a whole lot in that division right now. I mean, there's a lot of good contender fights to see who's next, but Oliveira's kind of – he's at that weird point. I mean, Poirier, maybe. Yeah, but he's talking about stepping yeah, up, he too. Wants, yeah, he's tired. He said he's, it's hard to make the weight. Can he make the weight again? Again, Poirier beat him. I mean, uh, Oliveira beat him. So it's like, you get a point to where it's like, who do I want to pay money to watch? The only one interesting is either Islam mm-hmm. or McGregor. Islam's interesting from a technical standpoint. McGregor's he, interesting he, from um, just, a, just, McGregor just a McGregor standpoint. So, I mean, I'm cool with them having maybe 
Oliveira Islam fight for the title, McGregor fight Chandler for the number one contender. Or he fights Gaethje for the number one contender. Whoever UFC decides should be fighting for the number one contendership. McGregor Gaethje, McGregor Chandler are good fights. Yeah. And have them as the co main event. You'll sell pay per views. I'd like to see Chan I'd like to see McGregor. Honestly, I'd like to see them both because yeah. I'd like to see McGregor Chandler just from the standpoint of I'd like to see somebody who's got a stand up resume that's yeah. close to McGregor's. And I'd also like to see um, and this is going to sound weird, but I would like to see Gaethje McGregor because I would like to see somebody whose striking is so good and has enough stopping power that it makes Gaethje go back to his wrestling. Yeah, Gaethje has to change his style a little bit with McGregor. Yeah, because but, you're not gonna you're not gonna play yeah. face smash fist with Conor McGregor the way Gaethje likes to fight. And the bad thing is. We still don't know for getting McGregor. Yes, he's saying he wants to fight, but so John Jones says he's been wanting to fight for two years, and we still ain't seen it yet. Now. Yeah, what's that? What, what what's the Cody Carter clock on yeah, uh, yeah. John Jones coming yeah. back? Love yeah. you, Cody. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. we're we're still waiting. They they said a hey, late September Miochi versus John Jones for the interim title, and we still don't have that fight confirmed. It's like I thought John Jones was going to be ready. He keeps saying he's ready. Well, why aren't you ready in September? Because that's when Stipe wants to fight, September, October, but we still and, don't have it. And they're like, well, there's money issues. John Jones has no leg to stand on to demand more money. No. He, I mean, because the UFC has moved past him. Malky might be trying, but he ain't got a leg to stand on. I mean, at the end of the day, the UFC has moved beyond you. They're still selling out fights. They still got a lot of contenders. Yes, you'd be an interesting fight. They'll have you back. But you're not getting $10 million. You're not getting crazy. You'll get what you were getting before, maybe a little more. But you're not getting that $10 million like you were at, you know, like they said he was asking for to fight Ngannou. If you beat Stipe and you knock, like if you ragdoll Stipe, you blast him out in the first or second round and you win the interim title, maybe they throw you a, a bonus if you fight Ngannou. Maybe they'll have, an, you know, you'll get a fight bonus for fighting if you win. I still think that if Jones is smart, he will come in and get a get a tune-up fight. I still, I I don't think the UFC's offering him a tune-up fight. I think the UFC well, is he's made, like you're fighting for the title or you're fighting Stipe for the title or nothing. He's been a big enough pain Don't in him. the ass that he's got no negotiating leg to stand on. And his ego is not going to let him come in and fight it. He's not going to mm-hmm. come in and fight a nobody. He still thinks he's the greatest ever, and I think he, his ego will, will prevent him from fighting a lower-ranked guy just to get it, get the, the rust off. Yeah, but... But his also... Yeah. He I, does not do well in tune-up fights. I mean... No, because he fights... We've talked about this yeah. before. I mean, in general, he's... Unless things have changed, yeah. he generally fights just hard enough not to lose. Yeah. I mean, think... Yeah. Uh, St. Prue. I mean, he... Took him to a good. I mean, he fought him well on that short notice. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, his he yeah. So yeah, I don't see John Jones taking a tune-up fight, and I don't think UFC's offering him. And I think they're like, this is what you're doing, or you're not. I mean, we'll move on. If you don't want to fight Stipe, we got a lot of young guys who will for an interim title. Yep. And you can see and easily see Stipe and uh, Gagne. I mean, um, you have that fight. 
I'm still going with my prediction that that John Jones never fights again. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting. Like I said, if we don't have nothing confirmed by end of July, you're not having. He's not fighting this year. Yeah, because we're getting really close to where they're going to have to start Stipe, doing media Stipe, and getting camp. Stipe and, wants to fight September, no later in October, because he wants to fight, and they're not going to be able to hold Stipe out, long, you know, because he wants to fight. He had, you know, and he's. That's still a draw. People love Stipe. So they're not going to keep Stipe on the shelf and, and keep playing tiddly wings with John Jones. Yeah, no. It doesn't make sense to because there's enough. Yeah. I mean, there are enough people in that, in that division that they can find somebody to fight, you yeah. know, Stipe or, or Nganu or, you know, whoever they want to put up there. It's, there's enough talent on the roster that they can find somebody. Yeah. Well, we're just talking about – McGregor staying at 155, and I said him going back to 145. I think 145 is not a good place for him either because Volkanovski's a monster. I think Volkanovski Ugh. ragdolls him. You're like talking said, about a guy who was what when he was two something. He was two something when he was playing rugby, rugby. and he he naturally cut down. He he got his body built, and he's a thick boy. He's yeah, and he's just I mean the what he's doing. To, I'd love to, to know what his walking weight is. And what he does to Holloway though. The way he's handled Holloway and watching how Holloway is, it's, it's the same thing with like, you know, we talk about with Uzman and being head and shoulders above everybody else, then there's Kobe, and then there's this huge drop off. It's the same thing with them. Volkanovsky's got Holloway's number the last two fights. He mm-hmm. can withstand Holloway's stuff. Holloway has proved that he's still head and shoulders above everybody else in the division. And I'm sorry. I think I think Holloway beats McGregor. His his just. I mean, McGregor beat him years ago. That Wait, was it was a young Max Holloway, and that was his last loss, his last defeat. Holloway's last defeat until Volkanovski. I mean, and I don't. And I the thing is, the biggest thing with McGregor is he's got all this money. Does he really have that hunger like some of these other guys? Like yeah. Holloway, who's still fighting to support his family, that doesn't have the couple hundred million dollars from boxing Mayweather and selling, you know, proper twelve and everything else. No, he doesn't. He has his fight contract, and he needs. You know, I think he's a lot more hungrier. Oliveira, Oliveira is not a good fight for him either because Oliveira, this is he's just now starting to make that. You know, have a chance to make that big money. But Oliveira also might wait and fight Islam first to get the title back so he gets more pay-per-view points when he fights McGregor. God, that fight between McGregor and and uh, Max was UFC fight night Shogun yep. versus Sonnen. That was ages. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. When was that? 2013. Yep. Almost 10 years ago. Jeez. I mean, and people forget, I mean, you think about that. People forget how long Max has been in the game. And how long he McGregor's was, been in the game. Yeah. But, I mean, think about it. That's a decade ago. And he and McGregor had already had, what, fought a fight or two before that in the UFC. Uh, let's see. He fought Brimage. Yeah, he fought Brimage when it was UFC on Fuel TV. Yeah. That was the Musasi versus uh, Elir Latifi, and then before that, it was it was Cage Warriors or you know Celtic Gladiator, yeah. blah blah blah. But yeah, that was like his first like yeah. real. Was it what in twenty twelve? 
Uh, which one? The UFC on Fuel. Yeah. That was that was still 2013. Okay. But still, yeah. Think about it. almost 10 years ago, McGregor made his UFC debut. debut. Yep, and his first professional. Um, geez, his first professional fight was in 2008. Yeah. So these guys have been fighting a long time. Well, Charlie Olives has been in there for a minute too. Yeah, yeah right? he's been in the UFC a long time. He's been in the UFC for a good, good long while. Yeah, his first fight was. Um, all right, where we go? Record. Yep. Yeah, his first fight was 2010. Yeah. Was on the the Jones versus uh, Matushinko uh, card. Oh, I forgot he lost to Jim Miller. Yeah. Well, Jim Miller is a beast. Yeah, he's, he's Jim Miller. Hey, you got Miller. Uh, all of you got Miller. Uh, Cerrone and uh, Lozon have basically been in the UFC forever. And and uh, Cerrone said, "Hey, I just want two more fights. I want to get to fifty. So he's going to fight Lozon in a couple weeks, and then he wants one more retire. He wants one more fight for retirement." Charlie Olives didn't start making his run to the championship until 2018. Yeah. After that, before that, man, it was a salty record. Man. Yeah. He, he lost to Paul Felder. Yeah, Paul Felder beat him. Uh, Ricardo Lamas beat him. Mm -hmm. Anthony Pettis beat him. Max yep. Holloway beat him. Yep. Frankie Edgar beat him. Yep. Cub Swanson beat him. Donald Cerrone beat him. Yep. Um, it was He had a draw. He had a no contest against Nick Lentz. Yeah, I mean, um, yes, he was a salty record. Yeah, really. I mean, he was, yeah, it was really salty before he got that win against Clay Guida at UFC 255 and started making the run. I mean, he got his fight against Jim Miller back, and he got his fight against Nick Lentz back. You know, I think when he, I think when he, you really started to see him come on was when he beat Kevin Lee mm -hmm. and Tony yeah. Ferguson. Those two fights. Um, were the ones that really, I think, cemented him. And then he went on to, you know, take on Chandler, take on Poirier, and take on Gaethje. Yeah. I mean, because they're talking, you know, it keeps talking about who's the best, who's the GOAT of the division, him or Khabib. But Khabib's like, man, I don't get touched. Because they're like, Oliveira's got a better track record. He's, got a, he's fought more people and tougher opponents in his career than Khabib did. But Khabib's like, yeah, but I didn't get touched. When I beat these guys, I beat these guys. I wasn't getting knocked down. I wasn't even in danger. I just beat these guys. What do you think You're about getting lit up? What do you think about Khabib versus Oliveira? Because that, that honestly, is still I think rolling Ol around. Oliveira, Oliveira is not going to manhandle Khabib on the ground. I think Khabib would close the distance and take him down and go to the ground with him. And I think you you would see him just like he does everybody else, just out wrestle him. I mean, Khabib out. I mean, think about. It. Poirier's not a slouch on the ground. No. And poor and Khabib made it look like beginner's class. Yep. I mean, Khabib is a different dog. I mean, he manhandled so many people in that weight class. I think he beats all I think he beats Oliveira. I, it's not going to be like a first round beat, but I think he either serve, gets a, a five round decision or he submits Oliveira in like the fourth round because he just wears him down. And that's why I think Islam Makhlchev is interesting that's, because that's as close to seeing Khabib. And you've got a guy who get. wrestles with Khabib every day. 
you basically have Khabib 2.0. And Khabib's like, you know, this is basically me. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I actually... Me only better. And I like the idea of... I actually like Oliveira Islam as the next fight. Because the winner then fights McGregor. Have McGregor fight Chandler or Gaethje. If Chandler can get by either one of them, I mean, McGregor can get by either one of those guys, then he gets the title shot. If McGregor doesn't, if he gets beat again, then he needs to just say, you know what, the UFC is not for me anymore. Yeah, I need to go to... I need to just go buy a soccer team and... Yeah, I need to drive my Lamborghini yacht around. Yeah, and and, and just worry about, you know, because, dude, you've got the personality, man. You're not going to lose credibility, but you get a point to where you can start losing... A lot more than getting punched, in, you know, by getting punched in the face. Yeah, you know, at what point does he? And this is going to be a really harsh comparison, but at what point does he become CM Punk? Yeah. To, I mean, it, it, like I said, it's it's not a it's not a kind of comparison, but after a while, when it when does it become? When you're just entertainment. Yeah, you're doing it because you love it, but you're getting your shit knocked out. Yeah. You know, you want you want to compete, but you don't have that hunger. I mean, that's the thing with CM Punk. CM Punk had already made millions of dollars from pro wrestling so he, he comes over to the UFC and it's like dude I've been doing this for I'm an athlete I've been doing this I've learned to do this and this and then it's like you run into two, run into a guy who's run, fighting his ass off to stay on the roster and make money so there's a whole difference when you have millions in the bank and you have a guy who has five bucks in the bank yeah well and here here's the thing I liked I didn't think CM Punk had a chance. No. But I liked his mindset. He came yeah. in. He was very – he was humble. He was like, I, this is something I've always wanted to do. I've wanted to try it. I've trained for it. I appreciate the – you know, he was very appreciative of the chance. He wasn't, you know – Yeah. He didn't come in and like, oh, you know, I was – I want to fight for the title. I want to fight for the title. I mean, he took on Mickey Gall, yep. and he, who is a legit killer. I mean, yep. he's a good fighter. And then whoever the other guy was. Michael he, Johnson. Michael Johnson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Woo! Anyway. Yeah, he, he fought Michael Jackson. Mike, yeah. Um, you know, and he took on two guys who were lower in the roster at the time. Yep. And he took his beatings and, you yep. know, he accepted them and he got that second chance. I liked his attitude. And I think his wife was like, no more. Yeah, his wife was like, you're done. I got we're a TV going back show to wrestling. for you. Yeah, we're going back to wrestling. We got a TV show for you. Yeah, where you can win, and you already know ahead of time that you're going to win, and we ain't really, you're not going to get carried out on a stretcher. He was in. Uh, you haven't started watching Heels yet, have you? No. He's he he makes a couple of appearances in Heels. Yeah, I just finished Vikings Valhalla. Okay. And now I've got. I'm probably gonna watch the boys, and then I'm then I decide what's next. Yeah, the new the the new season of the boys starts next week. Yeah, so I got I got. You got to get caught up. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think about it because I actually really enjoyed that show. It was, I've seen bits and pieces, like parts of episodes, and I really like the darkness of these superheroes who really aren't good guys. They're it, actually the bad guys. I was I, I was watching the the adverts for it, and I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. And then I started watching. It. I was like, oh shit, this is better than I thought it yeah. was. I mean, it it really is dark. Yeah, uh, but we're talking talking about fighters. One, you know, you got. Did the thing with Nick Diaz saying that he wants to skip fighting young guys because he's 38. He just wants the title shot against Kamaru Usman. And, I mean, I listened to Jimmy Smith, his podcast, and he was like, yeah, we all want to skip yeah. the young and upcomers. We don't want to fight that young guy that might, you know, that's young and might kick your ass. We all want to skip that. You know, he's like, but that's not how it works. He, and I didn't think I, – I forgot until Jimmy Smith laid it out. 
I'll credit Jimmy Smith, man. Great, he he's super smart. He was like, you he hasn't beat has not had a win in fourteen years. No, he hasn't beat a one seventy er since basically his first Robbie Lawler fight, like eighteen years ago. It's he, like you, you know, why would you think you should have a shot of fighting Kamaru Usman? On what grounds are you fighting? I don't. I mean, I could see it, like if he took a couple fights, you know, got warm back up. Yeah, maybe I mean, he, he quit against Lawler. He yeah. quit his first fight back in the UFC. He quits against an older Robbie Lawler. He quit in the third round. He's just like, I don't want to do this no more. I don't think he's got a chance against Usman, dude. I think he's not right just now. Destroy. I mean, you know. Uh, Jimmy Smith made a good point. He's like, dude, you got beat by George Pierre. You're going to lose to a much better, yeah. much more talented, younger Kamara Usman. You're probably going to get ragdolled, and he's going to get you out of there in the first round. Yeah, because if you look at Usman's game, Usman's yeah. game is the St. Pierre game yeah. times 10. Yeah. It's more it's more wrestle fuck and, I, and I understand more ground and pound. Nick's like, man, I'm 38. I don't, I don't want to keep fighting contenders. Hey, let's, let, let me just skip. I think I match up well with Usman. No, you, you don't. don't. And right now, that's the people you should – if you really want to fight, you should be fighting those new up-and-coming fighters and use your uh, age and experience because, like I said, you fought Robbie Lawler and you quit. And so <sighs> – all right, and so maybe, age and experience, he hasn't had a win in 14 yeah. years. How but much it, experience does he really have? I mean, you can make the argument of age and experience for Randy Couture, yeah. who was pushing 50 defending the, the, the title, yeah. right, because he was in there and he was doing the thing. Can well, you really well, make I mean, that argument for Nick? But you say he, he, he's in the training camp for, for Nate all the time, so there's no, always that. Yeah. But now Nate's got one fight left, and he's wanting to fight, and he's supposed to be fighting. Say he's supposed to fight Chamayoff. But now Chamayoff is like, nah, he's going to go get married, and he doesn't want to fight till later in the year. And Nate's like, I want to fight in July. I want to fight. Why can't I fight? Why don't no one want to fight me? I mean, Kobe Covington, you know. Yeah. He's going to fight. He said he's going to fight uh, Dustin Poirier. So Nate's like, I want to fight somebody. So mm-hmm. who, who's Nate going to fight? I mean. I don't feel good about uh, Poirier's chances against Colby. Yeah, that's that's a that's not a good matchup. That's that's not a if he wants to come up to two seventy five, great. But making one, your first one, match against one, one, not two, one. Oh, I'm sorry, one seventy. Like one seventy five. Sorry, two seventy five is is over is ten pounds over the the max weight limit for heavyweights. Yeah, my bad. It's like I'm not sure what division we fighting in now. Super heavy. Super heavy. That's that's a that's a that's a lot of fucking meat on both that, those that, guys. That's the atomic weight division. Yeah, those guys are are no dotting. They're gonna do the Pat, Patty Pimlin post fight <laughs> diet. They're just gonna eat everything and, and just and no no more exercise for a while. See what happens. But I don't feel good about Poirier's chances stepping up and then taking. But on Poirier, Curry. I think Poirier is getting where he feels like he's getting rusty. He's got to get back in there, or people won't forget about him. No well, what if you? That's the thing. Unless your name's like McGregor or John Jones, if you don't stay relevant, Dave. So they will move on, and you get lost in the the breeze. I mean, they're talking they're talking about Darius this week because McGregor is like, dude, you're the most uh, ignored, uh, irrelevant fighter in the division. That's a name I have not heard for and he's, a while. He's the he's you know he's a top ten fighter. Yeah, and yet no one yeah no one can knows who he fought last, what he's doing now. Nothing. It's just like. Pss. I mean, he he beat Ferguson. I think his last fight. 
But no one knows who he is. Tough. You know? Was he number five? And no one knows who he is. No one pays any attention to him. Yeah, I mean, his, his, uh, he's 21-4. and four. I yeah. mean, that's not a bad record. Um, I mean, yeah, he beat Ferguson. He beat Carlos Fiera, Scott Holtzman. I mean, his – down to UFC 22, uh, 222 back in 18. That was his last loss against Alexander Herm- uh, Her- Hernanez. Yeah, Fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean that, but you know he lost to Barboza. But I mean he's no slouch. Beat James Vick. Yeah, but he's yeah. No one knows who he is. I mean he's what fifth? I think he's fifth. Fifth or sixth in the division, and no one knows who he is. And it's a slight, you know, because he's like, why, why doesn't Oliveira fight someone like me? He's number sixth right now as of May. So it's like because no one knows who you are. Yeah. You're a top 10 fighter that no one knows who you are. So, I mean, because he was fight, supposed to fight Islam next. But now they're like, eh, well, does that really matter? Let's, you know, Islam might be good for the title. I think, it, I mean, like I said, I think Islam Islam makes an interesting fight because he's close as we're going to get to Khabib and, right now. And I like the idea of Oliveira versus him for the title because there's no title. Yeah. So then the winner fights McGregor and gets those, those pay-per-view points. I think McGregor should come back and have to fight either Chandler or Gaethje I agree. to decide who's the number one contender. I agree. Well, I mean, his, his last two fights were losses against Poirier. Yeah. He hasn't had a win since Cowboy. Yeah, he, yeah I mean, he, he, yeah. So, and Cowboy was like, dude, I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to be there. It was kind of one of those UFC kept pushing, pushing, pushing. They offered him a lot of money. He was like, fine, I'll do it. And he's like, I didn't want to be there. He's like, when I took that shoulder and my nose broke, and then he was like, Pfft. I'm going, yeah, I'll yeah. call it a day. I, st- I still get paid. So he's like, I really don't want to be there. And I understand. He, it's not the fight you wanted. And it's like they kind of pushed him to, to, to get to the camp real quick and do this fight that he really wasn't interested in. Well, it was weird. It was catch weight. Yeah. It was, you know. It, it, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a, that was just a weird fight all the way around. I'm a big Cerrone fan. I paid for it because I love Cerrone. And I was yeah, disappointed that Cerrone got knocked out in the first. But. You could see by his body language, he really didn't want to be there. He's just he like, did not come out the same yeah. way that he usually comes out. He, I agree. I don't his last fight where he got knocked out and they stopped in the first, it, the same thing. He just kind of looked like he was just there. But now he's, he's excited to fight Lozon, and it seems like a little different. And then he wants one more retirement fight. And I have a feeling his retirement fight will probably be with someone more like his age, more like his experience. And it'll be more of a fun fight. I mean, well, that would be good. Oh. Speaking of cowboys, so interesting, um, interesting thing on uh, Amanda Nunes since she lost, since she left American Top Team. Again, listening to Chael. Chael's Chael's my my dirt sheet, right? I get all my good info from Chael. I got ink. Um, but so she left American Top Team, and when uh, you know, <clears throat> first when she left, it was you know, hey, I want to start my own gym. It's this is my dream, blah, blah, blah. Well, recently she came out and basically said it was because of Clarissa Shields. Yeah. Because Clarissa was saying, I think I stack up really well against Amanda. I think I can beat Amanda. Now, that's a big claim yeah. for somebody who really hasn't Did had... she lose her first MMA fight? Uh, or did she get I'm... lucky? Because I thought she got... I thought she lost her first MMA fight. 
Glacier Shields, I think she lost it like armbar. She was winning on the feet. It went to the ground, and I think she lost it like an armbar or something. Uh, let's see. What does the Wikipedia say? Because you know how accurate it is. Because she's back in boxing now. Uh, one win, one loss. Yeah, she lost her first fight, I think. Or she won her first and lost her second because she uh, was winning on the feet, and the girl just took her down and submitted her. She won against Brittany Elkin. Uh, in the PFL, and she lost to Abigail Montes via split decision in the PFL. Okay. So she's won one yeah. in the PFL. Not if there's anything wrong with the PFL, but um, I, I think what they're doing is cool. But that's a pretty big statement to say against yeah, Amanda I, Nunes. I heard Nunes talking about that. She was also, when she first went to the top team, she was the only woman there. She was. And then they started bringing in other girls, and they kind of, she's like, she felt like they were trying to ring, come in and, and like kind of take credit why she was there. It's like trying to get that shine off of Nunes. And yeah. she just felt like it was becoming an issue. But the, um, you know, it reminded me of when Cowboy was at Jackson Wink. Yeah. And they put all the shine on, um, it wasn't Kevin Lee. Mike Perry. It was Mike Perry. And they put all the shine on Mike Perry. So he went and started BMF. Well, no, what happened was, is that they were both in the same gym. Yeah. They're training partners. McGregor, I mean, Cerrone's been in the gym, and he has fought other gym mates. It just happens sometimes. The problem was is that this time, Jackson Wink told Cerrone that he couldn't train there anymore because they were going to, Mike Perry was who they were going to put their efforts their time in, and into, that Cerrone yeah. had to leave. And Cerrone's like, wait a minute, I've been here forever. Perry just started here, and you're basically kicking me out of the gym. Well, yeah, so he was like, cool. So he went, he started BMF, he's brought guys in, and what happens? He beats Mike Perry, gets him in a, in a belly down arm bar, and submits him. And then it's like, there you go. And then Mike Perry, where's Mike Perry? Mike Perry's in bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. Because he just, he just imploded. So yeah, you they took a chance, they went all in on Mike Perry over Cerrone, and where's that? And yeah, you could probably see that that might be someone Cerrone's, you know, he's had a few losses. He's had some losses since then because he's kind of doing his own thing. He's now running his own gym. He's running the BMF. He has fighters under him. He's got, he's getting them ready for fights. So maybe he's not getting as much of his own work in because he has to bring guys in to work with. And he's got his fight, he's got his fight organization. Yep, yep. And he's, he's, and yeah, he's got a lot of, you know, he does a racing team now. He does. I mean, he does tons of stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, Jackson Jackson Wink kind of shit on him. Yeah, and it, that, like I said, the whole thing with Clarissa Shields yeah. versus Amanda Nunes, right? It kind of made me think of that whole thing. It's like, yeah, okay, Clarissa Shields is the up and comer, and I get that, but your money's on your, your yeah stable fighter Nunes, yeah, and you're kind of shitting on her a little bit, and it's just like. Because you're you're banking on the fact that Clarissa Shields coming from boxing and is a it's just a monster in the world of boxing, and she's going to bring that fan base, she's going to bring those eyes, and she's going to make you more money. But is she? Yeah, because I... I mean she's one in she's one in one in the PFL. That doesn't bode well. Because the UFC's not going to even look at her right now unless she wins a, unless she like starts dominating. And she wins the tournaments and starts, and it's not just going to be one; it's going to be a couple, because 
I mean, they didn't She's pay any. She's going to have to win the season championship. And they didn't pay Car- uh, Harrison any mind until she won two in a row. No. She won two years back-to-back. They're like, okay, well, we can probably give you, give you a goal. And her coaches are like, no, she ain't ready for the UFC yet. We, we won another year. So, I mean, they, they, there was talk about her going to Bellator, but then the PFL outbid Bellator. Because, yeah, right now, she's PFL's, like, you know, moneymaker. So, I mean, but, yeah, that's, that's, but that, you know, it's business. They're looking at trying to figure out who's going to make them the most money. I'm sorry. I screwed this all up. It's Kayla Harrison. It's not Clarissa Shields. Kayla Harrison is the one that's at, at top team and that uh, uh, Nunez bounced because of. My bad. Sorry. Kayla Harrison, you're right. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it just reminded me of that whole thing with Cowboy and Jack yeah. Swink. So yeah, that was kind. Of, I, I man, that it. I, I'm. I was always a fan of like Jackson Wink and the way they did things. But it's just like when they did that, it's like man. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of crappy. You're shitting on a guy that's been fighting for you, nonstop. Who who does fight camp? And that was what hurt Cerrone's feelings too, man. It hurt him because they're like, dude, you can't only, do your camp here. And not only that, but he would help everybody else do their camps. I mean, Cerrone was the guy that helped John Jones. He was, you know, he was a main part of it. He was there for everybody else as well, not just him. It's not like he just showed up to do his own fight camp. He worked with other fighters' fight camps. Yeah. He was that guy. He was that teammate. And then it's like, well, and at first, I mean, Cerrone was fine sharing the gym with Mike Perry, even though they were going to fight because he's done it before. And then it's like, well, actually, we don't want you here. That was a weird. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, we don't want you here anymore. That that whole situation was weird. We can make more money on Mike Perry, and then you lose to Donald Cerrone, and he he went into that fight with a vengeance. Mm. I mean, he dominated that fight. Yeah, Mike and yeah, Mike Perry's in bare knuckle boxing now. And I, I remember watching that fight on my anniversary trip with my wife, and we we're sitting there, and she she let me watch it because I'm a Cerrone fan, even though it was our anniversary. Uh, trip she was like your Cerrone's your guy you can watch you can watch the fight and she likes Cerrone too so she she sat there beside me and we, we were in we went to Williamsburg and we were staying in this really nice like condo and they had a little they had a tv and I watched that fight and I was just so excited that he got that win because he rolled Mike Perry over and got that belly down arm bar can you really say you're a mixed martial arts fan and not like Cowboy Cerrone I mean, yeah, really. I mean, yeah, you should really, you should at least really? appreciate him and what he does. Yeah, he's lost a few fights, but dude's been fighting forever, and he'll fight. I mean, he fought six times in twelve months. He loses because he fights, and he yeah. says yes. I mean, that's the thing, right? You, you look at these guys who who may I, have yeah. salty records. They're they're actually fighting, and they're fighting at a higher tempo than a lot of you know at a at a higher frequency than a lot of the other guys. Anyway, he went what six fights in twelve months, and I think he was five and four and two. It was four and two, yeah. And he he murked four guys in a row, and he fought Jorge Masvidal on like less than three weeks after fighting Matt Brown, mm-hmm. and then fought Darren Till like a month later. Yeah, and, and then uh, and Darren Till is a big dude for that weight class. Yes, he is. I mean, you talking about when they start that fight? I was like, oh, that's a monster, and he was just so big, and he just yeah, he rocked him. And what Masvidal? That was Masvidal's like introduction to everybody else. It's like I kind of knew who Masvidal was, but that was like his introduction to to UFC fans was him just going out there and uh, beating Cerrone in the second. 
because he was just like, and he knew it too. Masvidal knew he had to get past Cerrone and he had to do it in a big way to get that name out there. And Cerrone, like I said, he'd already had four tough fights. And then fight fights Jorge on like two weeks after he fight Matt Brown. Yeah. And he's like, my body wasn't even healed yet. I mean, Matt Brown hits like a truck. Matt, Matt Brown's no joke. I and mean, then Jorge just took – and then he fights Darren Till, I think, like a month, six weeks later after the Masvidal fight. And Darren Till beats him up. But then Cerrone, like, ragdolls uh, Anthony Henderson. Hernandez. Fluffy. Yep. Who talked? Mad, Mad trash. About Cerrone being old and has been. And Cerrone Got just, that video game combo. Yeah. Well, he also played with him that first round. It's like he could have put him out in the first round, but Cerrone was like, no, nah, man, I think I'm going to let you hang on a little bit longer and, and punish you a little bit more for talking all that trash. Well, it was, it was Hernandez that he got the... No, that four-piece was on uh, uh, Rick Story. Oh, that's right. That's that, right. That's that right. one, two, three, and the head kick, that was Rick Story. Yeah. Hernandez, he just just brutalized. Him. Yeah. He just kept striking and was just beating Hernandez up. And it was like he wanted to punish him for talking shit about him being old. Well, there's talking shit, and then there's the stuff yeah. that Hernandez yeah. was saying about Cowboy. I mean, there's yeah. – it, it's you know it's kind of like Brock Lesnar, right? He said yeah. – Brock Lesnar always said, you know, you, you can talk shit, but as long as you're somewhat respectful, I'm not going to embarrass you. But Heath Herring went in there and talked all that shit and then got just destroyed and, and – Brock yeah. was very, uh, let's just say, disrespectful after the fight. And he was like, that's what you get, you know. Yeah. But uh, Well, we, we saw what Khabib and McGregor. Yep. With that, the, the fight after the fight. The spit on him when he finished him, spit on him, and then the guys coming in the octagon and Khabib going out after Dylan Dennis. Yeah. I think that's the last time we ever seen Dylan Dennis actually doing anything other than getting choked out by a security guard. By a security guard outside of a club. And still talking about how you're the best fighter out there. Have you, did you see Gordon posting pictures of Dylan Dennis? No, uh, I, Gordon. Love, well, I mean, Gordon's like, I'll, I'll, you know, you want to come grapple, man? Come on. Yeah, but he posted a he posted something on Instagram. It was a picture of Dylan, and he's like, it's something like, look at this guy. His body's made out of, I don't, I don't remember what it was. It was like his body's made out of Cheetos and beers. I don't remember what it was. I have yeah, to look. He's, he's I mean, when, I don't even remember the last time he fought. I mean, I thought he fought in Bellator, but I don't think he's fought in a, in a hot minute. But he's out here talking mad trash. It's like, it's one thing people are like, well, Henry, Henry Sudo talks a lot. Yeah, but you're talking about a guy who retired as, as a champion. You know, you're not, you, Dylan Dennis isn't champion of nothing. Right. You know, Cejudo, McGregor, those guys were champions. I mean, he's. Uh, oh wait, that's not mixed martial arts. That's he's fought two MMA fights, um, and he hasn't competed since 2019. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's out there still running his mouth. But yeah, Gordon's he, going after him as always. Yeah, he used to be a McGregor protege, but now he ain't. Yeah. He got well when he started acting stupid after yeah. the Khabib fight, right? That's when things started to go yeah. downhill. Yeah, you got lucky. I mean, he got lucky in that fight too because he was talking mad trash. Yeah, lucky they didn't freaking mess you up. But yeah, yeah he uh, this, he's just one of those guys who are like, man, I'm I'm the best in the world. Did them fight somebody? 
then fight somebody. Well, and his jiu-jitsu record's pretty salty, too, right? Because after he got, he was tearing stuff up. Yeah, at, early on. He was getting noticed yeah, because he was, of that. And then he was, uh, because of his grappling, he was working with McGregor, had him in camp to work, to be, like, you know, a training partner. And then McGregor shined on him. And then, you know, Bellator was like, this dude's going to be phenomenal. And then he's just... Yeah, because his total, his total record for jiu-jitsu is something like, what is this? Six, it's 18 and 16, 18, yeah. 16, right? And he was doing great up through black belt. And he was killing it at purple belt. And then like when he got his black belt, I'd... he's just like right now, he's just, he, he just talks more. I don't think he trains. I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't seen. When you get choked out by a security guard. <laughs> This is true. And you can't escape a basic rear naked choke that we learn it as white belts how to get out of that. Yeah, you're yeah, you're not doing something. Okay, here we go. Can't say I'm shocked Dylan Dennis is a liberal. His body is made of soy and his bank account's empty. <laughs> and he was reposting a picture of Dylan Dennis with the mayor of New York. Oh God! All right, man. You got anything else? No, that's 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 actually yeah. You know, that's leave, leave it to Gordon. Like, leave don't. it. Yeah, we'll we'll. What are you going to beat him up? Because he'll fight Dylan Dennis. <laughs> that'd be that'd be another one of those just like educational purposes only. Yes, exactly. That's uh, that would be a rough one for sure. Ugh. All right, man. Well, we will be right back after a word from our sponsor. And we're back. All right, so on Jiu-Jitsu Corner this week, I wanted to talk about the difference between tradition and fundamentals in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I saw kind of an interesting discussion on the socials um, a week or so ago, and there was a, a gentleman talking about how we shouldn't get caught up in tradition with Jiu-Jitsu, um, but then he started talking about fundamental techniques and while he may have been confusing the words between tradition and fundamentals, I do think there's a worthwhile discussion here. Um, you know, when you think about tradition, right, we have the gi is a tradition, yeah. right? And we Bowing. we bow on the mat. We, you know, depending on how traditional your school is, right? Maybe you face away from the mat when you tie your belt. Maybe you, you know, all the things that we talked about when we talked about visiting gym yeah. etiquette, right? You tend to try to... Slap bump before you start. Yeah, slap bump before you start. You know, you try to air very traditional when you're visiting other schools because you don't want to offend anybody, right? But we, and a lot of this, I think, comes down to gi versus no gi and 10th planet or yeah. American jiu-jitsu. American jiu-jitsu versus yeah, traditional Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, okay, I can see getting rid of, quote-unquote, the traditions if you're if you're practicing a more American style of jiu-jitsu or even if you just want to not call it jiu-jitsu and call it grappling, right? Because no-gi competitive jiu-jitsu is really, it's going more towards being just grappling, right? Because you've got wrestling and you've got all the other stuff that comes in. All that being said, I don't think that negates the need for the fundamentals. Yes. Right, because whether you call it a shrimp or whether you call it a hip out or whether you call it, you know, the the, the fat hippopotamus roll, 
whatever you want to call it. A shrimp is a shrimp, and it's a fundamental movement that you need to learn yeah. in jiu-jitsu. Um, so while throwing a, while discarding tradition might be fine, I don't think we need to confuse tradition and fundamentals. They can have different names, fine, but when we're looking at posture, we're looking at basic movement patterns, we're looking at good mechanics in a technique, those do all come back to the, fundam the, the fundamentals some way, shape, or form of traditional Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, right? Guard is still guard. Side control is still side control. Um, you know, whatever you want to call the positions and whatever you want to call the techniques. You know, you want to go Eddie Bravo and, you know, have a, you know, truck to Twister yeah. to Vaporizer to, right? Dead Orchard to Dead Orchard that, yeah. to, yeah. I mean, it's, you're still going to see the same fundamentals and the fundamental movement patterns, even though even though Eddie threw away the rule book and created his he's own still, kind of jiu-jitsu. But he's still, when you listen to Eddie Bravo, especially like, listen, listen to when him and Rogan and them guys break down USC fights. When they did, would do their, uh, they would do their hangouts and they would do the fights. And they would... The, the fight companion shows. You, Eddie Bravo gets fundamentals. He'll talk about them. And you'll hear him say something like, man, that needs, guy needs to do this and needs to do that. And he always talks about fundamentals. Yeah, he, he's, he's a Tenth Blanet guy. But Eddie Bravo started out as a... He's a Jean-Jacques yeah, guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's a Jean-Jacques Machado. He's a Guy Black Belt. Then he started 10th Planet because he wanted to do a little bit of different stuff. And now no Guy and stuff has even gone beyond him. And he even talks about, like, you got guys who, uh, you know, breakdancers are doing so well in jiu-jitsu because they use some of the, that, that movement they learn in breakdancing. But yeah, I think the guy. I think he was confused about tradition and fundamentals because traditions are, like we said, bowing on off the mat, wearing the gi, uh, bowing, calling your coach a professor, being respectful to the upper belts, doing this, doing that. Fundamentals are knowing how to upa and shrimp. That's a fundamental. Yes, a front shoulder roll is a fundamental. And knowing how to break, you know you what your break your your, your four fundamentals you you better know in jujitsu. Stand up. Shrimp, upa, standing base, and break fall. Yep, that's your fundamentals. If you can't shrimp or upa, you're not getting anywhere. You're going to get in a lot of trouble because we learned that from our from our head black belt. Shrimp to the upa or upa to shrimp. That's what you need to know. Because if you're parallel, you need to get perpendicular. If you're perpendicular, you need to get parallel. Yep. And you need to do shrimp upa to get there. So, yeah, that there's. I think there's a difference in what his, his use of the language is. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. And that that's cool, but I, I – and we'll forgive him for that. I mean, we're not trying to bust the guy down. But I thought it was an interesting discussion to have. Um, because, I mean, Jerry summed it up perfectly, right? I mean, you've got your movement patterns, and you're going to end up using them. And you see them in wrestling, right? I mean, you see them in grappling. You see them in, in – there are fundamentals that, that kind of – that span across grappling. Mm -hmm. Whether it's jiu-jitsu or judo or sambo, whether sambo's real or not, you can ask Chael about that. Um, I don't know. I did. I, I had the sambo look on today. You did have the sambo look on today. I had the gi top and my grappling shorts on. 
hey, it's all right. That works. I do. I actually, I actually was comfortable. It was, I mean, it was one of those fun. We had, we actually had a fun morning class. Uh, Scott's still a little under the weather. He can't participate. So I was, you know, happened to be the Uki. I was doing my drills and then being the Uki for the two, for the two other guys that showed up. So I got dropped a lot. And it's one of those things where then they drop me wrong. And it's like, ugh, no, we don't do it that way. No, let me <laughs> show you like this. No, we do it this way. And instead of, you know, I didn't put my gi pants on. I just had my grappling shorts and my top. So I looked like a Sambo, Sambo guy. Maybe we ought to change it from, from uh, coffee and chokes to Sambo Sundays. Sambo Sundays. Come as you are. <laughs> Come as you are. I still think we need to do a uh, street clothes roll sometime. I, I like that I'm, idea. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I'm totally down with like putting on like your standard street clothes and then doing like a starting from standing to go to the to the ground. We'll just take our shoes off. Yeah, because of tradition. I do like. Have you seen the ones where they do it in business suits? Yep. I really like. I've got an old business suit that I'm thinking I need. We need to do that. Man, my my the two suits I got are my my funeral wedding suits, and and they both are. I'm kind of fond of both of them. I have to go. I'll have to go to like yeah, go to Goodwill, Goodwill and, and find like an old like get a ten dollar yeah get a ten dollar shirt because my two my two one my two suits are kind of nice. Yeah, you can't do that. But anyway, so tradition versus fundamentals. I thought it was an interesting discussion, um, and you know, that's all I got for Jiu-Jitsu corner. You got anything else? No, I mean like drill. Drill, drill. We found out today we had uh, two guys come in and to work with us, and uh, which is cool. That's that's actually pretty good for Sunday morning on a holiday weekend. We got Memorial yeah. Day tomorrow, and because this is we're recording on a Sunday, and we put I, I had a blast because it meant a lot of work for me, but I got to teach somebody a lot. You know, it's like yeah, I'm 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 a two stripe blue belt. I've been doing this for for quite a while, but. I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be. I'm not a black belt. I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I'm better than a black belt. Um, I always give ground to what my upper belts tell me, that if I'd say something to somebody and they're like, no, nah, that's not true, or that's not right, you should do it this way. It's like, listen to what they tell you, not what I tell you. Don't ever, yeah, always, you know, upper belts are, they've been doing this longer, they know more. But I do know were how I'm better than I was when I was a white belt. And I do know, fun, and again, I do know the basic fundamentals of some of these things. We did throws today, and we did self-defense. And those throws, um, at our, our base throws that we use here that are judo-based, I'd have the footwork, and still, I, you know, might not be perfect on some, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll screw one up a little bit, but uh, I know them enough to where I can share insights to other people especially to white belts yep so drill that drillers yep. make killers that's yeah. why you can buy a t-shirt that says that from every uh and every t-shirt store and today basically i got my reps in and then i helped them with their reps because i went back and forth as a uki for the other two guys yep. so i got reps as not only as doing it myself but also helping them do it which i think being somebody's uki makes you better and being able to talk someone through it and explain it to them makes you better because you grasp the concept better i think all blue belts should at least have to attempt to explain a position to a white belt class mm -hmm. not teach every day that's not what we're, i'm saying but you, you should be asked you should be able to as a blue belt 
be able to explain a basic move movement in jiu-jitsu the hip throw the you know something single leg yeah uh kimura you should be able to explain this to a white belt yep agreed agreed all right well we will hear from uh episode 11 guest matt warner and his new no- new novel mage tech duet and then we'll be back with jerry's seriously we'll be right back When I started work as a hitman for the psychic underworld, I was cool with it. The world needed washing of that special stain of filth known as other people, and I was the cleaner. Know what I'm saying? And I'm good at my job. Man with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and reverse-engineered alien tech. I'm the meanest mother you ever met. So when my boss told me to cap that recording artist, Eva, I had no problem with that. Send her to hell with my black hole shotgun if that's what it takes. But then I started having feelings for her. Damn. And then I met her six-year-old boy. And I ain't capping a kid. So it's gonna be me, Samuel Coventry, against the whole mafia. I hear they got fancy crap like tactical time travel devices. Well, so be it. Capping a chump is gravy. Capping a poser? That's gravy on rice. You want to hear more? I'm telling my whole story to author Matthew Warner in a book called Mage Tech Duet. It's available only on Amazon Kindle. More information at MatthewWarner.com. And we're back. All right, so it's time for Jerry. Seriously, buckle up, everybody. It's we haven't been, had one for a while. I say it's it's been a good while since we had a seriously, and there's so much I can get into, but I'm gonna uh, stick on tend to be our 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 what I normally talk about and sex trafficking and uh, protecting our children. So we've seen it all over the news. Uh, Young girl went to a Dallas Mavericks basketball game with her parents, 13. She went to the bathroom and never came back. So her parents report her to the police, and the police, instead of looking at it as an abduction, they marked it up as a runaway and didn't even bother to look at video from the, from the uh, Mavericks stadium. They didn't bother to follow up. The parents started looking for her, and they found pictures of their daughter on a dark web social media site selling her. They then were able to get a hold of police officers. She was being held in Oklahoma, and the Oklahoma State Police were able to go get her, and they arrested eight people who were involved in the solicitation of this 13-year-old girl. My seriously is... Literally, Dallas, what, are you you're too busy to look for a missing 13-year-old? And instead, they're trying to say, oh, well, but, you know, kids could run away all the time, and, and we just figured it was a runaway. You figured it was a runaway? Her parents took her to a Dallas Mavericks game. They tell you she has no issues. She don't, there's no reason for her to run away. She goes missing at a major sporting event with where thousands there's thousands of, of people, people around you don't think maybe someone did something to her and it would maybe behoove you to maybe look at some security video no you're too damn busy this little girl gets sold 
to adult men as a toy at the age of 13. And her, she's probably going to have a whole lot of recovery to deal with because you couldn't be bothered to do it. Normally, we defend police officers because I know a lot, most majority of them are, are hardworking and they care. In this case, what what the hell, man? Seriously? You're going to let a 13-year-old girl get victimized because you're busy? Or you just, yeah, we're, she probably ran away. Probably. Is that great detective work, huh? And then we have... Once again, locally, you know, in our, in our little neck of the woods here in Virginia, mm. FBI announces that they arrested a, a Fairfax County school teacher. Fairfax County, we've talked about more than once, are the ones that allow, uh, hit, try to hide the rape of two students by another student because it went against stuff that they were pushing and it even went to the point where they had a, the father of one of the victims arrested for interrupting a school board meeting because he brought it up. Well, they arrested a middle school teacher, middle school science teacher, for possession of child pornography. She, uh, she was turned into the uh, police by the National uh, Institute for Missing and Exploited Children as potentially having uh, child pornography. And luckily, the police... Uh, federal authorities looked into it, tracked her IP, tracked the IP address to an apartment building, and were able to locate the apartment number and realize and, and establish the fact that she lived there alone, and that this was hers. They're claiming that none, of, as of now, they're like we're pretty sure that none of the videos are of her students, but they're still looking. So there you go. And one parent was like. The school board was so worried about hiding, pushing an agenda and, pun, and hiding a rape that they couldn't be bothered to vet teachers. And now they have a teacher who's got quite a few images of child pornography on their computer. And another teacher, talking about teachers, a teacher in Florida who made a huge deal about the uh, new bill in Florida that prevents you talking to anybody, any child under the age of 10 in the schools about sex of any kind. They called, you've seen media called it the don't say gay bill. That's not what it was about. It literally was, if they're under the age of 10, we don't talk to them about, about any kind of sex, period. They're too young to understand it. Well, this school teacher who screamed and made a big deal and was always on social media and people were like sharing all her contact, got arrested for having sex with one of her students. Hmm. One of her 15 year old students. Remember, they're saying that talking to these kids about sex isn't about grooming them. And then you get arrested for having sex with a minor. So, I, I think it goes back to the old, old saying of doubt, doubt does protest too much. Yeah. yeah. And then ODU. We've talked about the professor at ODU. Uh. Alan Walker, or now known as Allison Walker, who has left the employment of Old Dominion University. Involuntarily, thankfully. Well, it was voluntary and voluntarily. They asked for resignation so they didn't have to fire. Uh, but now has a job working for a group that fights child abuse, which I'm not quite sure since this individual wrote a book saying that being, being a minor attractive person should not be a problem as long as they're not truly acting out on it and, and all this other stuff. And basically defended being a child predator. And, I'm, and now you have a job where you're... you're 
protecting children from this from this idea to me it's starting to look a little bit like you're you're finding your next victim i mean we've uh, we've talked about before about cops that you know work for special victims unit and then end up being uh predators themselves because they know these children and these women are uh easily abused this instructor went from Old Dominion University and now works at the Johns Hopkins Uni- Johns Hop- Hopkins University's Moore Center for the Prevention of Child Sexual Abuse. Yes, and this individual wrote a book about keeping the dignity of minor attractive people, basically defending the the idea of that it's okay to be as an adult be attracted to children and want to have sex with them. The center said in a series of tweets that it was excited to welcome Walker and they would be working on research and new projects to develop a comprehensive public health approach to addressing child sexual abuse and effective prevention programs. So I'm wondering if the prevention program is we're no longer going to call it child abuse. We're going to call it mutual mutual affection or something. Because you see these people, they're pushing this idea that it's acceptable and that it's it's not a problem, and kids should be comfortable with it. Yeah, and just so people don't think we're making a big deal out of this, and that you know, the 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 um, professor wrote you know um, an article that could be misconstrued. The title of this professor's book is "A Long Dark Shadow: Minor Attracted People and Their Pursuit of Dignity." Yeah. So we're not just saying that we missed. That's the title of the book. The Pursuit of Dignity of Somebody Who's a Child Predator. Now, it does say that the book focused on people who do not act upon their sexual attraction to children and strategies to prevent them from acting on that attraction. Which is, I'd have to is, read the book. Well, I've read excerpts. The, some of these ideas are literally them living in a fantasy world of the dolls, of computer-generated images, images. Yeah. where they take adults and then use computer programs to make them look like children. And having a partner who is willing to act like a child. Role play, yeah. So they're saying if they do this, then they're not really violating the law. But I'm sorry, how long before you, before those fantasies no longer get the, get the needed thing done and they decide to go to the next step of actually doing it? And you see, you, you, you see more and more of these groups are pushing that how this is not how this should not be construed as a crime, but more of just an attraction. This is just who we're attracted to, and it's like you know. I always thought there used to be a law that you couldn't create you, I th- that, uh, pornography, well, you, computer-generated well, porno, even computer-generated. I think there is. It's supposed to be, but do we prosecute it? Well, that's the thing. It's because there's a law to prosecute. That's the problem we're having now. We got hundreds of thousands of laws. We just pick and choose which one we prosecute, and then we say we need more laws. Okay, but how about you prosecute on the other 100,000 laws we already have? That we already have, yes. That already address this issue you're complaining about that we have, you know, laws against. So, but yeah, that's that's the biggest one is, and uh, shout out to Guardian Group. They've, uh, Guardian Group. Have done... A lot the last few weeks of helping uh, break up a few rings and bring some children home to their families 
Uh, shout out to them and shout out to uh, uh, Underage Undercover, new show in Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. There you got re- uh, renewed for a second season, and those people are doing. They're doing a whole different approach than what you see, like Guardian Group does. This young, this woman who runs it, she she pretends to be fifteen year old, and she allows these these men to solicit her so that they can then turn them in to the police. The problem is, you see, a lot of times that a lot of these guys aren't prosecuted. They just don't bother to go after these guys. And there are some states I didn't, we didn't find out until watching this show that there's some states where it's literally not illegal. They don't think it's a crime to solicit children online because you're not really doing anything in their presence. Even sending pictures of your penis to these to, to someone that you think is a child is not a crime. That's just crazy. And so you see that a lot of these people that she would get a lot of evidence on that they would the local authorities wouldn't even bother to to, to even investigate. And it's pretty pretty rough the stuff she goes through and I give her give props to her because that's that's some brutal stuff that she has to endure just to help try to protect her children. I need to watch that show. I still haven't seen. I'm I'm more of the old other way. Someone had asked if this was your child, what would you do? Unspeakable violence. <laughs> yep. The things I would do to you would make a Stephen King movie look tame. You think Hostel was bad? Mess with my mess with a child around me. Uh. We, we, I'll make the people who think Hostel is a good movie vomit. <laughs> uh, yep. I'm all about aliens versus predators. Aliens versus predators. I've open, uh, like I said, I'm good with open season. But anyway, no, I don't. I, only if we do it. This is the only time I think a can hunt would be fair. You know, I'm all about. You know, if I'd you're as a hunter, I think you should do ethical hunting and not do a canned hunt, which is people don't understand is when they either they either hobble the animal and you just walk up and shoot it, and people call themselves great hunters. Or they put them in a caged-in area where they don't the, the animal doesn't have a whole lot of area to move in. It's very confined, and basically, again, you're just walking up and killing an animal. I, you know, as yeah, a hunter, I that. do. As a hunter, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to cover a whole lot of ground and try to you know outwit an animal in their natural in their safe place. And it's and a lot of times I fail. So, but this is the one time I think. That's why it's having, called hunting, not killing. Yeah, I think this is the one time where where I'm okay with a with a canned hunt. Yeah. Go ahead and hobble them and let me just walk up and. Yeah, take care of this. Blam, blam. You got anything else for us, man? Nah, man. Uh, happy, uh, enjoy Memorial Day for our uh, American listeners. Uh, Memorial Day for some of you might not understand. Do not wish a veteran having Memorial Day. This is not for living veterans. This is for the people who for the men and women who gave it all for the defense of our country and who died in while service to our country. Memorial Day is to remember those in celebration, not in depression. Um, have a cookout. Be happy. Celebrate their memory. Don't be, dis- don't be depressed. It is sad, but, I'm, but you should celebrate their memories, uh, not have a, not be 
like quiet and, 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 and solitude. Veterans Day is, is when you celebrate the living veterans. Mm-hmm. And then still, most veterans don't actually. <laughs> they, they, they don't. Guys, men and women don't join the military to get a free, to get a free meal on Veterans Day. That's not what they do. A lot, it's funny, a lot of these people that I've seen go out here and, to, to, and try to do a lot of, grab a lot of the free stuff and the, the you know, things on Veterans Day that a lot of companies do, you end up finding out these guys aren't even veterans. They just claim to be so they can look cool. Yeah, stolen valor's a thing. Yeah. That's for sure. And in, in majority of states, it's not a crime. Which, again, sick. But, uh, yeah. It's called freedom of speech, apparently. Yeah, whatever. But, yeah, we... Again, as always, douchebag. Yeah. Again, as always, look out for you. Look out for other people. It doesn't take any of your time. Especially, pay attention to young young women and young men, because a lot of times these kids, especially these teenagers, they tend to have their faces in their phones, or they're so involved in their own world they don't pay attention to other people around them. And be a good steward. And if you notice something don't look right, do you know? Be there. Pay attention. Yep. Do something, say something. The last thing a perpetrator wants is somebody somebody paying attention to them. Because, you know, it's hard to perpetrate a crime. But step up. Do something. Uh, don't just watch. Especially, don't be that guy that's standing there videotaping some, a woman getting assaulted. Yeah. Because, dude, you don't look cool, man. That That is about as most disgusting as you can. If you have time to hold your phone up and videotape it, you can call 911. And these people are videotaping the stuff and putting on their their social media and, and like it's cool. You're not you're not a news reporter. Call nine one one. Interfere. A young lady was assaulted on a subway. Was crying for help and all people were doing was videotaping. Yep. Dude and grabbed her. Dude grabbed her by the hair yeah. and drug her into the next car. And she was asking for help and nobody helped her. Yes, I understand you're worried about things, but call nine one one. Like I said before, on a subway. Pull the damn handle. Yeah. That train conductor's going to have to come back there and see what's going on. You have cars full of people. But these these uh, right now, these attackers know that no one's going to do much to them. And they know that they're going to go, what, they're going to get arrested and released on bail? Mm-hmm. They've had several guys rape women, and they're out on bail eight hours later and do it again. So, again, before we start worrying about making new laws, we need to enforce the laws we already have. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. All right, people. Have a great holiday. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate all our new listeners. We will be coming at you soon next weekend with a a special guest. And uh, later in June, we'll have another special guest. Yep. And we're still hoping to maybe set uh, something up for our 100th. Still yeah, we gotta figure that. out something good for the hundredth. But yeah, next week we're having uh, Mike Green from uh, Off Your Back Jiu-Jitsu back again for his second appearance. This time his coach will be joining him, so that will be fun. And then here in a couple weeks we got another guest, but we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that one a little bit until we get everything finalized. It'll be yep. a uh, it'll be a good time if we can yep. get that gentleman on. Yep, he's he's agreed to it. He's looking forward to it, which is hilarious because you know. Uh, it, it's still uh, it's still weird when people tell you how much they enjoy listening to our shenanigans. Uh, to me, it's just we started this as just I mean, for just me and Scott with no idea people would actually listen. Yep. And now when people listen and they and they you know really won't like what we do, it's just like wow, really. Yeah, it it just shows how low some people's standards are. 
Or maybe we're funnier than we think. Maybe we're better than we think we are. Let's go with let's go with that one. I like yeah, that. I like that one better. We, All right. Instead of so denigrating our, our our listeners, maybe we should. Just, hey, yeah, that's true. We love you all. You yeah. have excellent taste in podcasts maybe, maybe, and hosts. Yeah, maybe we should just say, hey, maybe we're actually maybe we're actually onto something here. Well, after two years, you think we get good at it eventually. So, uh, yeah, twenty one yeah. years of marriage. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> well, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but right. that's a whole nother story. Sure. All right. Until all right. next week. He's Jerry Armitrout. Later. I'm Scott Barker. Thank you for listening. We're out. The music for tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Mayeth from their album Wailing Village.